Welcome to a new episode of Beginner's Mind. My name is Chris with another recording for Life Science Get Together. It's April 17 and COVID-19 is holding the world hostage. Politicians all over the world have established sharp measures to prevent a severe outbreak. It helped a lot to keep the health damage to the population at a very low level. But the question arises, when can we go back to a normal life? What must happen that everything reverts? Some people think that the measures taken are the right ones and should be kept up. Others believe that the statistics we see regarding the spread of the disease and deaths don't justify the measures any longer. Some compare it even to the seasonal and the swine flu of 2009 and 2010 and point out that these viruses are more severe than SARS-CoV-2. However, currently no cure or vaccine against SARS-CoV-2 does exist. Some politicians say it needs both a therapeutic and a vaccine before we can even think about going back to normal. The first one, the therapeutic, is currently in development by the WHO. The World Health Organization has started clinical trials in which existing drugs are tested for their efficacy against COVID-19. But what happens on the vaccine side? Usually vaccines for other diseases cannot be repurposed. It is different from medications. Developing vaccines needs a unique approach for every single virus. What is a vaccine all about? The health authorities want people to get the illness to encourage the body to build its immune defense. Of course, without the nasty side effects of the actual disease. Developing a vaccine is a very complicated process that only a few companies worldwide can do. Additionally, politicians all over the world make the way back to normal dependent on the existence of a vaccine against the coronavirus SARS-CoV-2. The question of how long it takes to have a vaccine on the market I will discuss in today's episode. One of the teams researching vaccines is Demis Bioscience in Austria. Demis has licensed the platform technology from Institut Pasteur. Based on this technology, Demis has already tested vaccines against diseases like chikungunya, Zika, Lhasa fever or MERS in humans. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Erich Tauber, founder and CEO of Demis. Welcome, Erich, and thank you very much for your time. Hi, good morning. And I'm very happy that I'm supported by the professional journalist Elisabeth Pneisel. Thank you very much for supporting me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Elizabeth. Uh, I'm a journalist uh, with a focus on health and science topics. And I work for uh, Quo Vadis Veritas Redaktions GmbH, which is a non-profit company that operates as research and media platform in Austria with a focus on high-quality journalism and our 
Uh, Media Outlet is our website addendum where we publish all the findings and exciting stories. So um, I hope you maybe check it out. Uh, it's addendum.org. And yeah, I'm happy to be here and uh, to join uh, Christian when talking to Erich. Thank you, Elisabeth. Erich, you're one of the most experienced vaccine development experts in the world, in my opinion. Tell us a bit about your background. What brought you into the vaccine development space? Mm, I think I started like uh, 20 years ago in vaccines. Before that, I was working as a pediatrician. And uh, I think by chance, I came to one of uh, the vaccine developers uh, in Austria and uh, started to develop here. I think what's uh, intriguing is that it's maybe the most... Uh, cost-efficient and easiest tools uh, to prevent disease. And uh, this is maybe why I like it. Erich, 10 years ago, you founded Temis Bioscience, which in my opinion is one of the best vaccine development teams in the world. You raised more than 100 million euros over several financing rounds, uh, public and private money. How did the company develop since you founded it about 10 years ago? I think what has uh, changed over the years is that the team was growing. Uh, we uh, were initially thinking about a very small team and um, just uh, bringing uh, early technologies into a very early preclinical proof of concept. And I, as of now, we are roughly 40, 40 plus people in the company. Until two years ago, it was less than 10. Um, so we were quite successful by getting contracts for pandemic uh, uh, vaccines like for Lassa, for MERS, uh, for chikungunya, and now for COVID. And uh, so I think it, what, we, what we have been doing is uh, we were able to raise uh, capital both for commercial reasons, but also for more global health reasons. And this allows us to grow a team and to build a team. Very impressive. Currently, when I open the newspapers, I read a lot about a viral pandemic, uh, COVID-19 and coronavirus. I think the uh, scientific name is SARS-CoV-2. And it's shining a light on vaccine development. What does it usually need to bring a vaccine to the market? How is the, how is the development process going from... Uh, the lab bench until a vaccine hits the market? Um, typically, you start by understanding the disease mechanism. You need to understand how you can, uh, uh, what is the immunological mechanism behind uh, the protection. Like, for instance, if you look back into uh, diseases like malaria, tuberculosis, HIV, Until now, nobody really understands uh, what is the right uh, mechanism for protection here. This is why it uh, makes it so difficult uh, to make those vaccines. For coronaviruses, it appears to be much better understood. Uh, people know that this uh, spike antigen uh, is uh, to be targeted. So what people are now doing is uh, they are targeting... Uh, vaccines against this this uh, surface protein from corona so the next step is then to validate that this idea uh, can can be translated into a animal experiment you need to demonstrate uh, 
some sort of proof of concept of protection of antibodies. You need to develop a manufacturing process. You need to demonstrate the safety and tolerability. And then at some time you have a stepwise process uh, when you go into humans. You start with a smaller group, learn about the uh, mode of action and safety until you're able to demonstrate safety and efficacy in a large cohort. And this is usually a process which for dengue viruses, it uh, took 50 years so far and uh, we're still not yet there eventually. Um, for other vaccines like COVID, it will definitely be shorter. So this is very interesting because um, approximately it takes like uh, 13 years on average to develop a vaccine drug. And of course, uh, now in the middle of this crisis, uh, everyone wants a vaccine as fast as possible. And uh, so in, in the newest interviews, uh, it sounds like a vaccine could be possible, available uh, already next year. What makes such a fast process possible mm, uh, it can be possible by putting a number of things in parallel by starting uh, many things at the same time doing things in parallel and uh, be more aggressive uh, in terms of uh, financial risks but also in terms of uh, like a a risk-benefit ratio when it comes to uh, the clinical uh, use of the vaccine. But uh, what are the risks that come with such an accelerated process? It uh, depends on on the technology and it depends on uh, where you start. When you uh, make uh, like a drugs uh, like like the nukes or like let's say chloroquine. Uh, You talk about people who have uh, who who are ventilated in the in the intensive care, and uh, so there's a different uh, risk benefit ratio if you would vaccinate healthy children. And what uh, has developed in the last uh, 30 years is an extreme conservative uh, approach in vaccine development, because uh, you want to vaccinate the healthy people, sometimes healthy children or infants, and uh, you don't want to put them at a, I don't know, one to 10% risk of getting uh, some fever when there is maybe a only one to a million risk of getting some sort of meningitis. Um, for COVID, this, this is different. Um, when uh, you uh, are at least a uh, Older than 70, you have a substantial risk of uh, fatal uh, infection. And uh, this poses a completely different light on the risk-benefit analysis than we are used uh, to have uh, for vaccine development uh, in the last decades. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, 
grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. You mentioned that your team has been working on other diseases already. Uh, we were talking about dengue, chikungunya, uh, MERS, Lhasa, fever. Is the expertise that your team gained in that area helpful to work on a novel vaccine against a virus that's only known since November 2019? Uh, yes, and uh, I mean, the virus um, is known uh, for a very short period of time, but it's very closely related to the first SARS virus and to MERS, which are described like for more than 10 years now. Um, and the scientists uh, are convinced that uh, the behavior of these vaccines from an immunological and uh, protection aspect is, is very comparable. So um, this, this is uh, one reason why it will be easier than, than for other targets. On the other side, uh, we can use exactly the same manufacturing pathway and manufacturing process as we are currently doing it for other vaccines. And we have now the possibility to produce uh, up to 200,000 doses of vaccine in one uh, manufacturing batch for our platform technology. And this will be the same scale we use uh, already for the first manufacturing run of our COVID uh, candidate. So, and then uh, it took us 10 years to develop this manufacturing process. So this is, of course, a head start into vaccine development when you have a platform in hands. And this is what all the other manufacturers are also doing. They use established platforms. They just change the antigen and uh, here you go. At the same time, yeah, you have learned uh, uh, quite something about the safety of the backbone technology, which is also helpful. Can you tell a little bit more about the platform technology that you've mentioned that gives uh, TMS Bioscience a head start in the development? What we are taking uh, as the backbone is the measles virus vaccine, which is uh, the classical pediatric vaccine. And we genetically insert antigens of interest, like in our case, the spike uh, protein of COVID and uh, well, of coronavirus. And uh, it's like uh, uh, we are kind of, uh, it's like a Trojan horse where we uh, uh, let the body think it's a measles virus infection, um, which is not harmful because we don't take the wild type virus, we take the vaccine virus from measles. And uh, the body is mounting an immune response against also the coronavirus antigens, which are genetically inserted into the measles virus genome. Well, funding such projects is always a big challenge uh, because it's extremely expensive. So uh, bringing a new product to the market can cost up to 1 billion euro. So where do you get financial support for developing a novel vaccine candidate? Uh, it depends a bit. I think for COVID, uh, nobody knows how this will uh, turn out commercially and how this will be funded at, at the end. Right now, organizations like SEPI, this Coalition for Pandemic Preparedness, is uh, funding most of the vaccine projects, uh, also ours. And uh, uh, 
I think uh, uh, some projects are funded governmentally, like the JNG project. But uh, uh, right now, it's difficult to predict uh, whether this will be the biggest vaccine ever or whether this will be a commercially not viable product. Mm. Um, the other day, I read a very interesting interview with you uh, in the Austrian newspaper Wiener Zeitung, where you were talking about uh, also Ebola, and you said that uh, a potential Ebola vaccine left scorched earth uh, in uh, within developers and companies. So, what did you mean by that? Mm, I think the problem is that, uh, like for Ebola. Uh, Governments, WHO, uh, have put lots of pressure on the established pharmaceutical companies to develop a vaccine because it would be from a technological part uh, could have been done. And this led to companies like J&J, GSK, Merck, investing hundreds of millions of euros uh, I would say that none of the regulatory agencies was as helpful as they are now, for instance, uh, for COVID. Um, and this led to huge investments from those companies at no financial return uh, and most likely never a financial return for, for Ebola. And uh, so I think right now, many of these big companies uh, are more in a holding position before they would embark on another Ebola vaccine. And, and um, what do you think, how big is the risk now for companies uh, in the race of uh, developing a COVID-19 vaccine or SARS, uh, uh, SARS-CoV-2 vaccine um, to lose that race and, and to end up with a lot of costs without any return? Uh, it's a... Uh, it's a, I mean, this is a speculation. We cannot really comment. Uh, uh, what's definitely helpful is that uh, when uh, organizations like SEPI uh, step in for the funding, uh, then the risk, of course, uh, comes down to, let's say, uh, opportunity risks of doing nothing else. But right now, many of the companies anyhow had to stop all other products because you cannot do clinical trials with other products right now. Um, one crucial phase of drug development uh, is phase three, where a drug is tested in a lot of patients to make sure it is safe um, and safe for use. So um, is there an estimate on uh, how many patients you will need during phase three to make sure that your vaccine is um, is, is ready for, for use and not harmful to anyone? Uh, you mean for COVID or in yes. general? Yes, uh, for COVID, uh, uh, we, we are now all talking about moving targets and nobody really knows how the development pathway will be looking like. But uh, I think it's a, would say, a, a, a good bet to assume that... Uh, the products uh, will uh, be approved uh, using some accelerated pathway. And uh, I would expect that all the regulatory agencies, uh, which are super helpful right now, would uh, 
agree with the manufacturers on initial safety requirements and uh, would allow the broader use of the vaccine uh, with, a, I would say, uh, smaller hurdles than uh, uh, we would have expected two months ago. Okay. So uh, at the moment, there are also um, rumors that uh, in other countries, uh, vaccines or potential vaccines could be tested in people before they have been tested in animals. So uh, what, what do you think about that? Because uh, as far as I know, this wouldn't be possible, for instance, in Austria because of the declaration of Helsinki and of uh, ethical standards. I mean, the declaration of Helsinki is, is uh, also uh, in use in the United States, where Moderna have initiated the first phase one study a while ago. And uh, I don't know to what extent they had uh, some sort of uh, animal data. They didn't have a toxicity study, but this is more or less has to do with, um, I would say, the platform approach. And if you remember, like uh, pandemic flu, swine flu, um, here the manufacturers and developers have agreed on a pathway where the platform itself got approval and then uh, uh, the real uh, uh, swine flu vaccine uh, was also brought into people without additional preclinical testing. So, so where are you at the moment uh, in the development process of your potential vaccine? Um, we are uh, working on constructs, uh, which are more or less the vaccine prototypes, and those will go into, or those are tested currently into animals. Uh, we will select best candidate based on in vivo and in vitro testing and aim for a phase one uh, clinical trial start in the middle of this year. Um, one question from my end. Uh, when I read in the newspaper, when I open the newspaper, I hear speculations um, at which point in time travel bans will be taken away and it will be free to travel. And uh, particularly some newspapers write about the connects to vaccine development. So I think the Austrian Chancellor said, uh, once we have a vaccine on the market, uh, travel will be possible again like it was before. How much time do you think, Erich, uh, will it take until we see a new vaccine on the market that addresses clearly uh, this new virus? Um, it uh, will largely depend on the scientific su success and also on operational uh, uh, success and availability of manufacturing and uh, I mean if you would vaccinate uh, like I don't know 8 billion of people uh, then this would be a travel ban for many years so it's difficult to predict uh, when when like a, a really large cohort will be available. I'm confident that at the end of this year like uh, people at the forefront like healthcare, work, uh, healthcare workers uh, would uh, have uh, a vaccination. By the end of this year already? That's, that's really quick. That's what I would expect. And I think this is what most of the companies would expect uh, for, the, for, the, for the technology platforms, yes. 
Yeah, you mentioned that uh, a lot of funding comes from an organization which is called SEPI. Uh, uh, what's the purpose of this organization? Um, this was more or less uh, funded after this Ebola disaster, I would say. And uh, what has happened uh, was uh, that uh, people uh, said uh, we cannot afford uh, that the world uh, would be able to make a vaccine, but nobody's investing into it. So they take away the commercial risk of vaccine development for uh, potential pandemics. And uh, so we uh, are getting paid for developing vaccines against, let's say, commercial failures like Lassa fever, which is a dreadful disease in uh, Western Africa. Every year there are hundreds and thousands of people dying uh, of Lassa fever. But as, uh, this is not really a commercial attractive target. Nobody has developed a vaccine. And uh, they are playing a crucial role now by uh, helping companies to develop vaccines uh, for, for those difficult diseases. And one part of their mission is also this, what they call disease X, X which is this unknown disease. Uh, and the aim is to get ready quickly to defend or to make a vaccine, which was the reason why, for instance, Moderna had the possibility to start quite quickly. What are the expectations of SEPI when they fund a project? I mean, I'm not a spokesperson for SEPI, uh, so you would need to, to address this question to them. But uh, their mission more or less is uh, to have a vaccine for those need it, who need it most, which very often are people who cannot afford a vaccine or during the pandemic, um, it will uh, be important that uh, there will be a way to funnel the vaccine to those who need it most. Uh, like, I mean, we all heard in the media, uh, uh, give me a vaccine for a billion dollars. Uh, this is not what CP would, uh, would support. So they would want to have uh, like uh, a fair uh, distribution of the products. I completely understand that. I think, I mean, it's, it's uh, like when it's raining, uh, you need an umbrella also on sunny days and not uh, starting building one uh, when the rain comes. So I believe that our society needs a company like yours, like Famous Bioscience, and also organizations like SEPI that provide funding in times when we don't have a pandemic. Um, and currently, the situation with the cor coronavirus is uh, shedding a large light on our industry. So my last question to you, Erich, is uh, what improvement would you wish to happen for our industry in future so that we have a stable and uh, running infrastructure to develop vaccines when we use it the most? Mm. I think uh, that uh, uh, we, we have uh, very nice environments and I think it would be unfair if I, if I would say that, that, that we are treated badly and, and poorly all the time. But uh, what uh, I think uh, here in Austria is a bit missing is appreciation for entrepreneurship and appreciation for science. Um, and, uh, but I, I don't know what uh, we need to do to, to, to improve this. 
Erich, thank you very much for your time. I think you are doing a great work with your team and uh, thank you very much for giving your insights and uh, I'm looking forward to hear more success stories from your company. Okay, super. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.